Welcome to the Startup Business Q&A podcast with Richard Moore. And, uh, hello, welcome to Startup Business Q&A. Everything is live as it is all over the place. Good. So Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Nice to see you. Uh, episode 155 of Startup Business Q&A. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, this week is the penultimate one before we hit 156, which might seem like just a random number. But 156, of course, is the equivalent of three years consecutive um, uh, consecutive shows. So thank you very much everyone who uh, decides to watch this week and of course next week as well. Thanks also to those of you sending through questions already. Uh, it's wonderful to have these two. We're going to be focusing on the entry point. So that kind of those early days, if you like, in terms of setting up your, your business. What are those first questions for your business? That's very much going to be the, the topic today. Um, uh, the big thing this week, of course, is start is the sorry, not startup business Q and A is uh, of course uh, entrepreneur business live in Chicago. I'm thrilled we're going to be doing this. Three epic people. So Pervy Darve is uh, going to be hosting. Uh, also uh, Chantel Sumis and Quentin Allums. Uh, keep your eyes peeled a bit later on this afternoon. I will be posting a video um, on LinkedIn about uh, the work we're doing uh, in this event. Also a little bit of a cameo from. Uh, Quentin himself as well. So I'm really thrilled to be doing this with these three. They are phenomenal characters and uh, the topic will be uh, storytelling. So uh, it's a, a really important practical um, event. Storytelling in, in the sense of, you know, for your marketing and for your business as well. So I'm just inviting a few people who uh, I know would like to be watching this right now. Um, the other thing to mention is that the sponsor of the event uh, is the wonderful Feral Flicks. Uh, these are the guys uh, un under Andrew Helm, my good friend, who um, is running a very exciting video uh, business. He's sponsoring and making it happen really for us over in Chicago this week. So thank you very much to you as well. Um, I'm going to um, jump straight in. Morning to uh, everyone who's watching. So Wilson, hello. Fred, hello. Uh, Jedi, hello over on um, Facebook. Hi, anyone who's watching. I can see people starting to jump in on YouTube uh, and over on uh, Instagram as well. Mindsetting AF, Karmic Green and Jesus Santia, I think possibly Jesus, uh, in fact, is your name. Thank you very much uh, for watching. If you're watching on the replay, hello. Thank you very much for watching this as well on the podcast, on IGTV afterwards as well. So we are pretty much everywhere. Um, I also have to say that um, as of last week, we've done it properly. The um, podcast is effectively rolled out properly. So it will be, uh, so you can get it on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on all of them. And um, it was very interesting to see the spread of, of downloads, if you like. I think iTunes had it uh, with the majority by the people watching from all over. It's really exciting to have that. So the questions today are, aren't for if you're starting your business literally now. It's just kind of those early days. And that's a subjective point of, point of view. You know, if you feel it early days, then it's a case of saying, you know, um, like, like, what is it I need to be focusing on right now? Let me just get a bit of lighting in here. That's better. So what we want to do is look at, think about those early questions. So where you're very much 
rolling out the business, rolling out the product as well. And that's what we're gonna do. Jedi Hill here has just asked a question, are you using two computers to be able to broadcast on YouTube at the same time, or just dual monitors? So uh, someone else asked me about my, start, my setup uh, recently. So to let you know, I have um, over here, I have two 4K monitors, because I do a lot of video editing as well. I quite enjoy doing that part, so I do that myself. Um, so that's one That's one kind of computer is quite nicely specced out to help me um, uh, do a lot of rendering and things like that. Uh, that currently is broadcasting YouTube, uh, and there is a camera set up hooked up to that, which is sending that signal. Uh, in addition, um, what I have, Jedi, I have on the left here, I have a um, just a smartphone that's streaming live to Instagram, and then I have another smartphone that's streaming live to Facebook. Um, in the past, I've been able to stream to, you know, YouTube and Facebook at the same time, uh, with the same camera rather, but the mistake I feel is in doing that, you end up with like trying to flick between comments and conversation doesn't really work. This way I've got dedicated screens for each platform so I can see what's going on. Uh, so nice to see you here, uh, Bob Lowe, thank you very much for joining in. Hello, Laura Pendercast. Hello, Adam Mosley, good looking forward to seeing you uh, next week as well. Uh, at Entrepreneur Business Live London uh, on the uh, next Wednesday. So that will be the year anniversary of Entrepreneur Business Live and I'm absolutely thrilled with everyone's support. Uh, thank you very much for it. I think it will be the 18th event, if I'm right, that we've been running. So it's uh, uh, very exciting what we've been up to. So let's get into the questions. We are looking at those initial questions or the early questions for the startup of your business, those first questions. Anything you want to ask, stick it in the comments and we'll take it from there. In the meantime, let me know, hashtag team live if you're watching live or hashtag team replay if you're listening or watching to, watching the replay, stick that in the comments, whichever platform you're watching. And uh, let's get into the first question, which is from Fred Caserta, who I think is watching right now on Facebook. Uh, and he asks, Richard, what, how best to manage potential customer expectations when one has done such a great job of getting an industry's attention? And it was, he's written, it was a necessary evil. Um, if, you've got, if you've got attention from the industry and you've got people buying uh, products, there's two ways you need to look at this. If you have a mass, like a volume sell, so you're selling huge volumes of people uh, on your product, then you need something that's gonna help them all. And a great example of this is with my courses. So if someone buys one of the courses, for instance, the basics of LinkedIn, um, what I've done there is I've set it up so the intro, when they start, is not just kind of welcome to the course, but it manages their expectations there. So when there's a majority, not majority, when there's a mass of people, a really, really good way to manage their expectations is a video. Because if they receive, you know, in like a kind of a welcome email or a welcome pack, watch this first kind of thing. Um, a good example, of the, another example rather, is my entrepreneur business group on Facebook. That's approaching 4,000 um, 4, uh, members now. And the first thing you see when you enter into that group is a pinned post at the top, which is a video uh, from me welcoming you to the group, but also managing expectations about what's expected in the group, kind of rules and laws and things like that. And it's just a nice way of setting it up. And it means that um, whilst I do my best to connect with every single person who joins the group, it allows for, a, a, what's the word? It allows for a, um, a volume approach, if you like. Needless to say, if you if you are individual uh, individually working with people, so if you're working with small volumes, so maybe if you're a consultant or something like that, and you have say, you know, at any one time maybe ten clients or something like that, it means that you can spend more of the time management expectations, and that's something you can do individually. So, you know, again though, if I onboard a um, a new 
client uh, that I'm going to work with, then I will get an email with, you know, what's expected. Uh, we would have discussed it as well, but I'm very clear with them about, about what they're going to be getting out of me. Um, even if you feel that that box has been checked anyway as part of the sell, at the same time, I think it's just good practice to kind of welcome someone on board and explain what the experience is going to be like. That way you can manage the expectations that they're going to feel good about what they get from you. And of course that positions you well, so it's very clear what you're meant to be delivering on. And therefore, if you are, if you are to over deliver on that, that will be apparent as well. So that's kind of a nice way of looking at it. And in terms of leadership, of teams, it goes the same way. So if someone was to join my team, I would want to explain what is expected, but also be very clear that um, uh, it would be what's expected of them by me and what they could expect um, uh, me to be thinking of them as well. So kind of both directions, what they can expect from me and what I should be expecting from, from them. Um, so management expectation goes through, through all ways in which you interact with people. So like I said, as a recap, if you've got a majority or a huge, like massive people that you're going to be working with, maybe it's hundreds or even thousands, when you're welcoming them on board, have some kind of video that's very scalable. You don't have to be there to actually provide that to them. They can automatically receive it. If it's a more um, low volume approach of working with people, then you can individually uh, uh, warm them up. Uh, of course, onto your product, but you can explain directly what is expected. I think it's a really good question. But managing a customer expectation, um, if you're working with, with an account, whatever that might look like uh, long term, it's important to be really clear on not just what you feel you can deliver, but actually to, this is good account management practice in general, to actually uh, nail down um, what the deliverables are going to look like. So for instance, it's a company I'm working with tomorrow. Uh, they work for 12 month periods uh, with their customers, uh, some of their products. And in month one, in month three, for example, they were beginning, they were having those discussions with the customers uh, about what success is going to look like. And that's not them telling them what success looks like, but what the customer will view success as. So that allows them to say, further down the line, for instance, coming up to the renewal period, you know, here's what we discussed delivering are effectively looking like. And uh, as you can clearly see, we've done that. You see what I mean? So it, it, it creates some safety for you in terms of making sure you're, you're not missing the market or when it comes to renewal, which is a very important moment. That's where you get more money uh, coming through again, that uh, is coming from a warm customer. I uh, hope that helps. Good questions to kick us off there, Fred. Uh, Jedi's asked, what's your favorite book or other resource to create your messaging in order to craft your story that attracts your ideal client, client for coaching? Uh, your favorite book or other resource to create your messaging. I'm not sure what you mean by messaging, but certainly in terms of helping me craft my story. Hmm. Uh, in terms of helping me get myself on point and say the right things to people, I've had a variety of um, uh, influences through important books, uh, Jedi. Certainly if you go to therichardmore.com, forward slash books, you can see a load of recommendations from me. I do um, believe that uh, a good book to read is Invisible Influences behind my head back here, if you're watching uh, on the uh, on the um, bookshelf by Jonah, Jonah, 
Jonah Hill, not Jonah Hill, because he's an actor, isn't he? Jonah Berger, sorry, I watched a film with him recently. Jonah Berger, um, is, his book Invisible Influence is a very good way of understanding how you're going to not just deliver a persuasive message, but how to interact with people. Uh, Jedi's uh, added a bit of extra here on your comments. So uh, you're saying, so in terms of my message, I think is what you're saying. So sales letters and etc. What resource helps me best with sales letters and posts and so on? Um, I think without question, books that help you understand the psychology of the person on the other side of the table. So the person who's going to be reading it, you know, requires you to have some empathy so you can deliver something useful to them. Without question, one of my favourite books on this, which is this, this is the science of behavioural psychology. Uh, there are a few actually, there's Misbehaving uh, by Richard Thaler, who has um, uh, won the um, Nobel Prize for Economics recent, uh, recently, a few years back. Um, by the same author as well, and Cass Sunstein is Nudge, a really good book. Uh, but the best one, in my opinion, is um, a, a book by a guy um, called Satoshi Kanazawa. Uh, and it's on my website under the books uh, tab called Why Beautiful People Have More Daughters. Weird name, but it explains itself when you read the book. And there's lots and lots of little chapters on why people think in certain ways. It's a really good idea. Uh, there's another book I'm trying to think of it. Uh, yeah which is more to do with retail, but so many great tips in it. I, got, I think I mentioned this last week uh, by Guy Friedman uh, called No Thanks, I'm Just Looking. I've read it a couple more times recently. I really like that book. Uh, I think it's well put. Uh, also, Social Intelligence by Carl Albrecht is a good idea uh, to read that too. These are just good to give you a well-rounded feel of how people are thinking. You can, of course, read things like uh, Russ Bronson, um, uh, Expert Secrets or Dotcom Secrets, uh, um, and these kind of playbooks are good to read. But the thing about them is that, you know, that they give you some decent uh, advice, but what you really need to do is get on the pitch. You need to get in amongst people uh, and try them out. And, and it's just, it's a difficult one because what works for me might not work for you. Um, and you need to kind of get your voice right and get your audience right because certain audiences respond to different things in different ways. I know some people who um, have an audience who absolutely love it when they go really emotional and over vulnerable. I have I know some also some other people as well who have audiences who would really really get like they'd be throwing up in their mouths if they went all schmaltzy and and misty eyed like that and it's too much for them. So you've got to kind of understand your audience a bit more and you only really know your specific audience. And your audience is a reflection of a set of people that respond uh, in a particular way to how you convey yourself. So you have to kind of tune into them and spend some time with them to really get um, whether or not you're on point or not. That's a really important way to look at it. So hopefully that helps there, Jenna. Really good question. Uh, let's move on to Daniel Nunes, who uh, I think is busy trying to organise uh, a venue for the next uh, entrepreneur, or well, the first entrepreneur business live in Phoenix uh, in the future. That'd be really wonderful. Um, uh, just on this point here, uh, Steve Hodson, nice to see you here. Thank you very much. Um, Jedi Hills read Expert Secrets several times, but hasn't clicked yet. Expert Secrets is a full of cliches, but the cliches are really good ones. I think as an entry point, that book will serve to get people woken up quickly. Uh, as to what kind of how people position themselves, but it's no different to, you know, um, Circle of Profit by Anik Singhal, for instance. It's um, it's probably 
there's probably a more evolved book, uh, although it's more Facebook advert related, is Nick Kuzmich's Give. I think that's quite a good one to read as well. Um, but what these books are doing, they're giving you the kind of the broader strokes. You, the nuances you just can't get from books, you've got to get on the pitch yourself, is my, my opinion there, uh, Jedi. Uh, Daniel Nunes has asked, Richard, what bases need to be covered when you want to present your concept to funders? So if I, if I want to produce... If I've got a concept, I want to get people funding it. I need to have some evidence, ideally some evidence that it's already delivering. And what that means is that some people already see some value in it. And that might not be purchasing because it might not be possible yet. The product might not be ready, but it, it may well be that it needs to be notional at least. So. If you look at startups that I've worked with, it's, it's or, or people when they've approached me about their startups, what's interesting is is my reaction to when someone says, "Hey, I've got this idea," and when someone says, "Hey, I've got this idea," and there's this many people who have bought it so far, or I've got these testimonials from using it. And there's a company I worked with, re I started re working with recently, and um, they produce an app. And like the when we first had the conversation, rather than like I've started building this app, Richard, it's I've built this app and we've already got 500 downloads. See, that's exciting because it's because you hear so many ideas, but there's a difference between an idea and one that's actually had execution and return. OK, so that's that's a kind of a, a show of intent from an audience. And that's very exciting for someone who's uh, going to potentially give out some money. Um, one thing for sure is you need to be covering the downside. This is their money. Doesn't matter how much they have and how little we may be asking for. The reality is it's their money and they're going to be looking for return on investment or ROI. And so without question, you need to make sure you're showing them not just how you're going to deliver a return on investment. So how what's your model for making them their money back and a return? Um, but, you know, like when is that going to be as well? Um, but the other side is looking at the downside so so what happens when stuff goes wrong because before and i've done it because i've invested in companies before as well every time i've done it i've always had the questions asked um uh, or i've already asked the questions like you know but what about this have you thought about that what happens when this happens are you you know um competitor proof are you future proof what happens if you, you know, you're, you're the big shots marketing person, but you've got a very complex product. What happens when your CTO leaves? What happens this? What happens that? Because that's the kind of the way that a person who's going to give you some funding will be looking at things. Is my money safe, basically? So have you covered the downside? What, you know, if you can show someone that you've thought through where stuff could go wrong, but more importantly, how you'd fix it <coughs> and how you kind of ride those storms, that goes down really well. Um, um, the other thing as well, which sounds obvious, but it's not just saying I want this much money from you so I can t give you this much return and here's how I'm going to do it with my business. It's also how am I going to invest my money? Sorry, how am I going to invest your money? So specific, if, you know, if I get a thousand dollars from someone, how am I going to use that thousand dollars? How have I therefore come up with this number? Do you see what I mean? So, so. I'm asking, I'm answering questions like, um, here's, here's the amount of money I'd need and here's how it'd be broken down. Here's how I'll use it in the first month or two months. And, you know, here's therefore how the returns will come. 
<clears throat> it's not that the problem. This is where the problem lies with with it, where a lot of people feel they need funding because they've got no money. So they think, well, funding's good because then I've got some cash. And what it is is like you're broke, so you want some money to survive. So you think funding's the key. It's not. Before you try and go go, go get funding, unless it's certain situations, you should try and sell the thing first. You know, can you sell it? And if, if people are buying it, you know, you sh I've never had funding for any of my businesses because I've thought to myself, if I can sell the thing, what do I want funding for? If I can sell more of it, then I need less, even less chance of needing, uh, even less reason for needing funding, you see. So that's a very important consideration. Do you really need funding? Or are you broke? Because if you're broke, it means you probably should just go and sell the thing a bit more. Not always, but a lot of the time. Capital to buy to build a product is different. So a really good example um, that I've used in the past is um, uh, Tesla. Um, also is Amazon. And both companies have sought and, and received funding. And in, in fact, SpaceX, to keep the Tesla theme as well, um, they've all used funding because they they wanted to raise capital to build things like in Amazon's case, their fulfillment centers. And it's like, we need this, we need to build these now because it, it's a land grab. It's about kind of getting our footprint and getting ourselves moving before it's too late. And rather than doing it ourselves, it makes sense to get the money in because then we can move faster. And, and that that's one of those situations. That's a really important way to do it. Uh, Eri over on uh, Instagram, thank you very much for the uh, love and comments there. Uh, hopefully that helps uh, a little bit, um, Daniel. It's a really important way to look at it. So where what are you going to spend the money on? How to get the return on investment? How soon can they get it as well? And what kind of guarantees can you give them? Like, how realistic is it? Um, also think about this, you know, it's been like 11 years since, if you're looking at a, a particular types of business, it's been 11 years since the financial crisis, right? Stuff's going to go wrong sooner or later. How are you set up for that? Is this in any way going to affect you? Are you trading with the UK or in the UK trading elsewhere? Is Brexit going to affect you? Is that something that you considered? At least can you answer questions on it? You may feel it doesn't matter, but some people who who lend may feel it is a problem and that may be an issue for them. So you need to be ready to handle that kind of thing, which suggests you, you kind of keep your eye on what's going on in the industry a bit more. Do you see what I mean? So so things out there that are going on may seem quite peripheral, but could also affect you a bit as well. Thumbs up if that makes sense. Hope that, that was useful. Thank you very much for that, Daniel. Let's do a few more questions before we finish. Kind of a shorter one today. Uh, Christine Robinson uh, Richard, what are the best practices or recommendations around startup operations budgeting, wisdom tips on expenditures and so on? 100%. The number one tip is learn to barter with value. This is the one thing I do as much as possible. Learn the art of getting services. This isn't being mercenary, by the way, but getting services without paying for them. That doesn't mean duping people into giving you things without you giving any cash away, but look for alternative forms of value. So for example, um, a vineyard that I invested in a year and a half ago, one way in which they've, they've, fun, they've got funding or money from, from crowdsourcing is they've offered um, in return for money, they've offered future cases of wine. And in fact, for the large, for, for certain amounts of money, they've said, um, you know, you get a plaque on the barrels that, that have the wine within them and things like that. You can buy all these other things. And that's just one example. But what other services, for instance, can you provide? Offer those 
instead. Are you an influencer? Have you got some kind of network or a bigger network than someone you're speaking to? So if you have maybe offer value in the form of a shout out, for instance, I've done this in the past. I said, how about if I provide you with some shout outs because then you get attention that I have uh, in return for a service. And I do this because I keep all my businesses lean. I have, I have more than one kind of business, if you want to call it, in, 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 in play. And I don't want to take money from one to give to another. And I have a rule about not dipping into my back pocket to give to a business as well, because I think it's interesting to try and get them to wipe their own faces. So rule number one is learn to like, firstly, you have a look, like draw on a piece of paper, write out on a piece of paper, what are the things of value I could offer people? Genuinely, there's always a lot of them, more than you realize. And they may be things like, you can give them advice on something, uh, you could give them a trial of your product, you give them the free access to your product, in return for some some kind of service from them, okay? So just think about that. Why, maybe you give they give you access to something, but what is it that you can give in return? If you can learn that, it's a really good way of getting services on board from it, from third parties you need without you spending all of your money. And often it's very low amount of capital you have for, for operations. So that's one thing I'd say. Another thing is stay broke. That doesn't mean spend all the money, uh, but it does mean like give yourself a stingy budget. It forces you to be creative. And when you are, and let's say, you know, innovation is, is kind of comes out of necessity. And you too, do find if you have no money, you get creative because you have to. You don't sit and go, woe is me. You do something about it. I really believe in this. So it's interesting because I worked in corporate London for many years, but now I get more, I make more money than I ever did there. However, I, I keep myself as broke as possible. So what I do is like when money comes into the business, um, I don't pay myself loads of cash. This isn't one of those lifestyle businesses where I'm trying to take out every penny so I can go traveling all the time. This is, this is about saying, how much do I need? Because all of the rest of it goes back into building the business more. Um, so I keep myself broke. And it's the same in a way with operations. Like, don't spend money, but try and try just for in just for fun sometimes or just be stimulating. What can you do that that um, or how can you fix a problem without using money? OK, so it doesn't mean don't fix problems because you don't have budget, but instead fix problems and imagine you didn't have any money. Even if you do have it, can you work around it? That should be your default first. Can we do this without spending money? That's not to be cheap. But it's because often the answer is yes, I can. And you just got to think a little bit laterally, okay? And again, it goes back to that first point. Usually you can leverage bartering or value economy as opposed to just cash. And often that's more effective because if I give someone some value, they get something more in return rather than just a bit bunch of cash. Cash, especially ones where I've offered, um, you know, value in terms of say marketing with me. Because like, you know, I mean, what they're going to do, they're going to spend the money on marketing anyway, probably. So you might as well make use of me and do it in a more effective way. Um, anything else I would say, um, you just need to stay, yeah, just stay tight uh, early on with the things you're spending money on. The problem that a lot of startups have is that they sign up for ClickFunnels account, then they sign up for webinar software, then they sign up for their Buffer account. And all these little things can add up, you know. It's an interesting thing because because we're talking about operations in your in your case here, Christine. But if you're overseeing a, a whole startup itself, um, then it's an important. There's an important mindset you need to be having here, and it is that 
while the little things all add up and, and startups are notorious at having loads and loads of little costs add up that they don't actually pay attention to. Uh, so your Buffer accounts, £8. Your SoundCloud Pro accounts, £10. All this stuff, they all adds up and you, you know, you're spending $500 a month and then there's Facebook ads, another few hundred dollars. All this stuff kind of adds up and you think you're not spending much, but it does really add up. The attitude as a startup business owner should have, in my opinion, mustn't be, I'm a bit broke, so I will try and see which ones of these I can get rid of. As far as operation goes, yes, of course, it makes sense to keep that, you know, to trim the fat every so often, to just check in, am I really using this? Maybe I'll get rid of it. You know, I've had things in the past where I realized I just haven't used them, so I've been them off and not paid for them, I get it. But if you don't have money, Tightening your belt isn't the right attitude. Instead, it, is, it should be go and get more money. It really should. So if, it's, if you're finding you're struggling to pay the $50 a month LinkedIn premium account amount, then rather than try and cancel it uh, to get a lesser level of performance from LinkedIn, especially if you're using it, it's like, well, I need to go find more money. That's the way to do it. So it's not all that, that kind of approach I take is always about getting more if I haven't got enough rather than like going into a position of scarcity instead. You see the difference? Thumbs up if that makes sense. That's what my, my point is really important. It uh, should always be your attitude. If, you're, if times are getting tight, make more money. Don't try and just save it. Sure, bit of saving, but if there was percentages against this, 10%, 5% of your time spent looking at how you can cost cut. The rest is on getting more customers because that tends to fix most problems. Okay, so uh, really, really good uh, a question there, Christine. Just think a lot like, and even if you, you feel you can't think of anything, there are things out there. There'll be five or six things you can say, I can really offer this. This is really good value. Maybe it's a shout out or a joint venture or some kind of partnership with someone. What could they give you in return? As long as you're offering more value than, than you're getting from them, they'll tend to say yes. Um, couple more questions to go. William Simmons has asked, uh, Richard, how would I know if my product needs funding? Well, this is kind of the point I made earlier. Um, in my experience, it doesn't mean that products don't need funding, but in my experience, people tend to not need funding. Okay, they tend to not need funding. What they really tend to find is that, that they think they need funding, but what they actually need is to close some sales. And that's usually what the problem is. I need, I need funding if, I'm, if I am generating a massive orders, for example, and I'm moving to a position where delivery of the orders or fulfillment of those orders in a timely manner is now being compromised. So now I need to fix that. That's now when I need to step up uh, and potentially get some funding. And what it is is saying, look, we've got, we've got the orders, we're just getting behind. So we need infrastructure or stock so that we have inventory to actually give to these people. And so what you're doing is you're showing that actually things are really good uh, as opposed to if you give us money, then hopefully we can sell more or sell our product. It needs to be, often that's a nice way of looking at it. Like if things are going very well, um, but you're being stretched, that's where the funding comes in. Um, if I can automate and need to automate a function of my business because it's going really well and we're getting overwhelmed, that is a, an area where funding comes in. Because what you're doing is you're saying, a high person with funding, this company's going really well right now. We actually need to handle the problem of success. And that's kind of a good test. I think if I was to look for funding, it would be as a, it's because it needs to, it's to support success. 
not success you hope to have, but success you're currently having. Expansion is so fast, we need funding, so now we will, we will ask for it. If you're not making any money yet, then don't bother looking for funding, get your product sold. If no one knows about your products, so go market it. Don't ask for funding so you can put more money against Facebook ads. I doubt people are gonna spend money with you like that. Do you see what I mean? So, so just have that, be mindful of that. If you're going to ask for funding, it should be because your business is doing well and expanding, but now you're encountering problems that funding can help with. Um, and that's very compelling to someone who would lend money. You know, like I said earlier, someone who's like, Hi Richard, can you work with me? We're already doing really well. I just need to go up to the next level and that's where someone will be stepping with funding. And if you think about it, often where there's an IPO, you know, to raise some funds, for example, for a business, then that would happen because they feel like they're doing well, you know, um, they feel like they're gonna generate some income from it. You don't do an IPO when your business has just started as such or or when you, when it's not doing so well necessarily. You do it when you wanna raise money because you wanna do expansion because you're actually giving up some of your business in terms of the uh, equity. So um, that's 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 my answer there. Uh, let's, let's finish up um, uh, with Jedi Hill's question uh, here. You've asked, uh, fastest ways to test the viability of your idea. How do you market before you have a budget? In the very early stages, Jedi, you should be, the, the word that's thrown around a lot at the moment is documenting. You should be documenting what you're doing. You should be showing, showing the audience and telling the world what it is you're working on and sharing that climb and that journey, sharing the day-to-day, -day, things going right, things going wrong. Because what happens is people love the story and they show up for the story. You become a bit of a, uh, a show if you like, like, like people tune in to watch, you know, the latest going on in a reality show, they genuinely, they tune in to watch what's happening with you. And you become someone who's talking about what you're doing. It doesn't matter if it's still a nebulous idea that's not come together yet. The idea behind this is that when people are liking you and your story, they really get behind things. And then you can, excuse me, then you can say like, what do you guys think of this? You get feedback and I've done this so much in the past often with my group I will poll questions to understand what I what I need in order to build a product um, so just thinking like that you know I, I need I need to get people interested in me if I can get that going I can test the viability of my product with this audience and the important thing about audience is they've already bought into you to a degree so you can say to, you, to them you know you seem keen on what we're doing what do you think about this or this this widget or this component or this idea or this kind of iteration of what I'm doing and that's where you can get really good feedback and they're like yeah I think it's great and if they say I think it's great brilliant what you can now do is say good here you go then and they'll come and buy it and I've done it so many times in the past I've said things like you know who would be interested in x and I've had a load of people saying yeah I would it's like so when I build x I say thanks very much for saying you'd be interested and I know I've got leads already do you see what I mean so this is a really nice way of warming it up uh, I've done this with my events as well. I've said, you know, would there be appetite for an event in this city? And if the loads of people jump in and say, yes, I would go to it, great. Now I've got people who want to do it. Viability has been tested before I've, I've actually built the product. How do I get that? By way back investing in spending time building a sense of, of um, personal brand and, and, and talking about the product and the service itself. If you haven't started yet, the time to start is literally today. Start the process of talking about what it is you're doing. So sharing the journey and that kind of documentation. Always through to little Instagram stories and everything. Get people into your world because then there's familiarity with you. 
when it comes to the familiarity is that people tend to like you a bit or they or they kind of bugger off <laughs> but if they like you enough what happens is they stick around and because they like you uh, they're, they're probably likely to give you an honest opinion when you ask a question. So you just simply say, you know, what do you think about this kind of thing? And that's how you test it. And ask questions about components or parts of your service or op offering rather than the entire thing. That's a really good way to work. Um, I'm just going to finish there for today. It was a really short one today, although we've been going for like 35 minutes. Um, thank you so much, everyone who's watching. Uh, next week will be the three-year anniversary, so it will be an AMA. Ask me anything. You can submit your questions whenever you like. Like uh, for Monday's episode 156. So that is three years uh, of consecutive Q&As um, and a huge event I'm looking forward to. We won't be here in the home office. I will be elsewhere. Uh, you'll see uh, later on in the week I'll announce where we're going to be. I'm very excited about it. I really hope you can join me then. In the meantime, thank you very much over on Instagram. Uh, thank you also those of you who watched on YouTube and thank you uh, those of you watching, uh, listening on the podcast and of course on